Hey, what's going on, guys? As you know, last week's episode, if you had watched it, you'll know this was a two-part episode. This is Alexandria Nicole Part 2. I hope you enjoyed the show. Give us your feedback. Subscribe. Give us a uh, Google review or a uh, podcast review. Let us know what you think, and I hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks for tuning in each and every week to the John Papaloni Show. I was trying for a second. I was sitting there pausing. I was thinking, okay, there's certain extances, you know, circumstances that could uh, comfortable could be fine. And I'm trying to think, and I'm trying to think, and I couldn't come up with one. You're not even comfortable when you die. Nope. Right? Like, but like, nope. think of it. People who are in the hospital, sick, and they're on their deathbed. That's even uncomfortable. Listen, when right? I was like, a CNA years ago, and I worked in a rest home on third ship. So I've seen quite a few people pass on every last one of them were afraid before they transitioned. It's almost yeah. like you're uncomfortable, even with the aspect of approaching the unknown. Cause a lot of them, you know, it's interesting. I think there was only one man. He got dressed in his uh, army attire he put on all his badges, made his bed, laid on top of his bed and died. He was wow. just like, I'm I'm ready, which is an interesting, which always stayed with me because that, that is an interesting relationship to have with death at the end of your life. To it, it almost has this energy of he controlled the fact that he was ready to go, move on. You know what I mean? So, but, but most people... They are very uncomfortable <laughs> when yeah. they're going. <laughs> of yeah. course. And, and you know, what's even a sign of faith, right? Like that that army person who went obviously had some deep faith of some sort. Oh, absolutely. And I don't doubt that for half a second because a lot of people uh, perceive it as going to glory or, you know, they're going to meet God and they're just kind of ready for that transition um, where, you know, I imagine some people are fearful just because it is an unknown and it's an unknown unlike anything we experience in life of which you go and you experience it and you come back. It's like, once you reach that unknown, it is, it is permanent. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> yeah. uh, not, and there you go. Right. So it's being uncomfortable with being, I mean, being comfortable with being uncomfortable. That's right. And, and it's like, that's again, a, that's a bar. I like that. <laughs> So I love it, right? So yeah, with that yeah. being said, right? Like, okay, so we have a game plan. Now, we obviously, like, there's obviously there are people out there that will turn around and say someone starts their business part-time, mm -hmm. right? And, yeah. and then there's people with the impression that, oh, well, a business is not a real business if you're not doing it full-time. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that is the fear that holds people back because they, they're ready to start it now, but they can't start it now because they ha don't have that kitty away. So they want to do it part-time, but they're waiting till they're ready because they don't want that impression. And right. my view is always, you know, when you're ready to open the doors, you open the doors part-time or not. Right. right. But right. that fear is real. How yes. would you, what would you say to that person? How should they combat that, uh, that myth? Oh, that's, that's going to come back to the mindset we were talking about. And one of the easiest ways to do that is to, Practice controlling your thoughts because a lot of times we will have thoughts running through our mind and we aren't even privy to the fact that we actually control our mind. 
So practicing affirmations, I am strong, I am capable, my business is successful, like speaking those words over your state of being and your business before you even there, I mean, it's so powerful. I'm a millionaire. I am, I am so grateful for everything. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's about, it's about having that mindset and almost, um, well, not tricking yourself, but, but living in that reality before it is your reality, right? So the simplest way to do that is to control your mind. And, and when you constantly are in a state of controlling what's going on in your head, there's no time for fear. Because if you're, if you're so hyper-focused on everything you're grateful for and how successful you are and how amazing you are, fear can't even live in that same space. You know what I mean? I do. Yeah. That's what, I, I believe in mindset 100%, exactly mm -hmm. what you just said. Because you know what? Sometimes we can think things into reality. Yeah, good and I'm, bad. <laughs> yeah. And here's what I mean, right? Because yeah. I'm, not, I'm not an idiot who thinks, you know, it's going to turn around and say, okay, I want to become a billionaire. I'm going to close my eyes, put my, you know, touch my head. I'm going to become a billionaire. 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 Open up, look at my bank account. Nope, not a billionaire. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't believe that. But the thing is, you could will it your way. You're, you're, you go where your mind focuses. So yeah. my point is, if you focus on negative, you focus on bad, you focus on bankruptcy, you find out that you become bankruptcy. Right. You become bankrupt. And yeah. when you focus on success... Because you're, it's almost, I forgot what they call it, the reticular, whatever, you know, and you're, and you go, your, your brain finds a path to what you're searching for. Yes. So you yes. got to almost shut out the noise, tune it all out, decide what you want, stare it straight in the eye and go chasing it. Yes. Because, and I'll give you a little story of a minor thing that happened. And trust me, this is a discovery of bad. Um, and oh. I'll tell you why, like it happened to me this morning. I got so focused on whatever it is I was thinking of doing, like focused on setting up today, that I got into the car. I had to get my coffee, got my coffee, got my bagel, had it, got in the car, drove to work. Sounds good, right? You don't see the problem, right? I was focused on coming, coming to the office so I can set up. I left the equipment at home. I was so focused, I forgot about the equipment. So I had to drive all the way home, and I live almost an hour away from the office. Oh, wow. So believe me, as I was approaching the exit on the highway and I thought about, I'm going to record this. I'm going to record that. I'll move the camera here. And I thought, I don't have the camera. Oh my goodness. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right? I, I, and believe me, if it was just one little aspect, I would have gone to the store and bought another one. Yeah. Not that I want everything. to, but it's, you know <laughs> I mean? It, it saves me the hour trip, right? Yeah. But, but it's one of those things you start going, okay, well, if I buy another one, I'm missing these adapters, missing that adapter. What else did I forget? So I went home and believe me, that was not a good start. But where I was going with this is my mind was focused on one thing and I found my way to get there and I forgot everything else. Mm. Right. Yes. So it's yes. where I was focused. Yes. Yeah. Right. So that's, oh, just that's so good. John. That's that is such a good story and it it aligns so well with what we're talking about because you have to you have to be able to focus but also multitask because you know me and my husband were constantly having conversations 
about how different things are going to go. You know, our most profitable assets are our construction companies and then my consulting business. And, you know, and I homeschool. So I'm, I'm as an individual wearing so many hats. And then me and my husband as a team are wearing all these hats too, because he has to speak to homeowners. He's got to rally our team. He's got to put uh, plans into action. But I mean, could you imagine how hyper-focused we have to be to get through each day? But the objective where we're trying to go is the same. Creating that generational wealth, having something to live our children. So we manage all these things and juggle all of these balls and keep all these things in the air because we're our target is very clear, you know? But yeah, yeah. you got to be thinking about a lot of things. <laughs> For sure. For sure. Yeah, there's uh, no time for fear. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, which brings up the other point, right? Like, just like the, like every every year has you know spring, summer, fall, and winter. Now, relating that to business, mm -hmm. business has the same seasons. Mm -hmm. We have spring, which is what I call where things are starting to build and develop, and you got summer when you hit that great moments where everything is just thriving. Mm -hmm. You got fall, which is where the economy is kind of right now, where things are rescinding a bit, coming back a little bit. There's a little sense of mm, what's going on. And right. then you have winter. Mm -hmm. And winter is the holy crap, what the heck has happened? Yeah. Right? And yeah. every business has it, not just the economy. I just use that as an example. But right. every business, regardless of the economy, will experience summer. And every business, regardless of the economy, will experience winter. Yeah. So how would you prepare for that moment? Because you know it's coming. Yeah. You don't know when, but you know it's coming. Okay, so for people that have one business, what you have to do to approach that is recognize that, see, that summer will be here again. All you got to do is get through this winter. All you got to do is create solutions, be creative to get through the winter, right? For people that have multiple businesses, what we did in order to be creative is we live in a ski town. We live in Breckenridge, Colorado. So it we have no construction going on in peak season for us, which is the winter months because people are here skiing. Nobody's getting remodeling done to their properties because they have guests for the holidays or that's their time where they make their most uh, return on their investment on their investment properties, right? So it has shut down. So what we did to offset our winter season, literally and figuratively, is we created a babysitting business because we know people are flooding into our mountain town and they want to hit the slopes, but they might not necessarily want to take their kids. They're on vacation. They're spending thousands of dollars a day just for lodging. You might just want to go out and have a nice dinner with your husband without taking your four kids with you. So we were sitting back and thinking, well, what do we need to do during the winter when our construction shuts down? And how can we tap into our current market in order to still have our revenue flow and keep our cash flow going? How can we do that? Boom. Child sitting. So it's about it's about evaluating your your situation, being honest with yourself where you are financially in your business and the seasons in your business because they are they this ebbs and flows of business that goes up and down, and what you can do to offset that. 
So, you know, that's where it inspired us to start the childcare business, drop in childcare. I send, I train my sitters, I send them to the condos or the houses of people and, and, you know, they can, the couples can go out and enjoy themselves. So it takes a lot of creativity being an entrepreneur too. <laughs> well, that's what it's about. It's right. It's about thinking outside the box and finding uh, solutions to problems, even problems people may not even know they have. Right. Exactly. And that's what we focus on. And that's a, that's one of the key tools in marketing is nobody cares about my book. It's just a book. You hold it up. It's like, I don't care about that book. But what problem does this solve? It's me communicating that it solves. It's a step-by-step guide to get your book business open. And it's only 26 pages. People are like, I need that problem solved, right? So that's like marketing 101 too, is communicating the problem that you're there to solve. Which is going to bring up another question. I, so I many that. segues. I love it, John. Yeah, yeah. You said two <laughs> things here. And I, and I think most people get this mixed up, especially from where I am. Um, mm-hmm. Not to, you know, nothing against Canada, but Canadians never seem to know what the hell marketing is. Um <laughs> And every time I say I'm in marketing, if I tell somebody, oh, I'm in marketing, what type of marketing are you in? There is no friggin' type of marketing. There's it's different types the of advertising, but there's yes. no different types of marketing. Marketing is the thing. Marketing is the product. What you yes. do is the advertising. Yes. Right? So it's like, <laughs> so where I'm going with this is that, but there is a difference between sales and marketing. Uh-huh. For sure. So this is where I want your take on what takes priority to you, marketing or sales? And why? Mm. I feel like they're married because I feel like marketing is inviting someone to dinner. You marketing is actually sending the invitation for someone. Sales is getting them to come and eat with you. Right. Yeah. yeah. They go hand in hand. So I could send an invitation to someone. That's the marketing is I'm conveying to you a problem I can solve. I am showing you what it is that I have to offer. It's your choice to take it or not. But the sale is actually getting someone to commit on moving forward with the thing that I am attempting to get them to purchase. So they go hand in hand. I don't think I could land any sales without marketing. And I don't think, you know, it's vice versa. Marketing wouldn't attract anybody to me to close any sales if I didn't have that. So, you know, they're, they're married. It's a relationship. That's an interesting perspective. I'll be honest. It's not the direction I thought you were going to go in, but it's interesting. I mean, that's, that's the first time I've heard it that way. Like put it <laughs> in, in, exactly in that way. Like I've heard them people where they've blended them, but I've never heard, uh, you know, a good description the way you just did. Well, so that's you. pretty awesome. Um, yeah. I mean, I know there's exceptions to it and this is probably why I was expecting a different answer. Like I'll give you, as I, you know, I'm a real estate agent, right? One of my mm-hmm. many things. Uh, I'm a real estate agent. Now, I'll give you an example. Now, it is possible to do sales without marketing. Mm-hmm. And I'll, but you, you know, and here, here's an example, right? There might be a piece of property that's on a corner unit that somebody wants. Well, you know, people want that corner unit. Don't think they care who they buy it with. So it is possible that if you just happen to be the person in front of that building, that you get that sale. Mm, right, right. But there is no loyalty in that. If all it is is a bunch of paper filling. Mm, right. Now, obviously, yeah. every agent's uh, objective 
is going to become that they want to deal with you just as much as they want the corner lot. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's where marketing comes in. Mm -hmm. So in my industry, it is possible to have sales and be that order taker and not marketing. So Mm -hmm. I was looking at it from that perspective and everyone is different because some people would say the sales are more important because I need the money. (laughs) And some people would turn around and say, well, I'd rather lose money for a while and build the marketing because it's going to take me, you know, further, longer term. Right, right, right. Yeah, no, me. I I think it's married. I know. But you, off of yeah. kind of my analytics and and like my my data research off Facebook, I I get ninety five percent of our clientele off of Facebook based off of the pictures that we post, based off of the videos that we make of job sites and our new builds and all of those. So we, I know that our message is being conveyed properly on what it is that we have to offer, and I know that that's the tool that brings people to us. Because in our small mountain town is highly competitive. Everyone's building, you know, everyone's booked. So I have to increase my visibility and and our brand awareness in order for people to, to choose us. You know what I mean? So that's why I feel like they're, they, they go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. Well, which makes sense. So overall in general, you're right. Um, But this is the thing. Another thing you just told me from that answer is that most of your business is inbound, mm-hmm. right? right? Which is ideally, which is what everybody wants. So mm-hmm. the indirect thing you just told me is inbound marketing Marketing mm-hmm. is your specialty. That is, you know what I mean? It's what most people want, but don't have. And you have the inbound, not the outbound, which most people have the outbound. And that's why we're, again, goes back to what I was saying. Now the sales comes in, you can have the sale without the marketing, but that's outbound. That means you're constantly trying to find people. No, like out. at first it was a lot of, at first when we were first becoming established and we didn't have a portfolio or have testimonials to confirm that we operate at a certain level of excellence, it was outbound all day. We were connecting with, you know, design centers and tile shops and, you know, HOAs, people that, have direct contact with our target demographic. It was a lot of feet on the pavement at the beginning. But now, since we have built up our portfolio, people can simply scroll through our pages and see the before and after. So we've built that trust to where now it's more inbound. Right. So just to be clear, the computer didn't do the work. (laughs) <laughs> you know how Absolutely. many times I've heard that one there? Oh, you just turn on the computer and the computer did the work. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, we, we have not gotten to the automated aspect of our <laughs> businesses. <laughs> oh, God. Sometimes, yeah, man, some of the things you get out there, it just cracks me up. <laughs> Crazy. Crazy. Oh. Yeah, but um, so that that's good. I mean, I love that. I mean, like, to me, that's when you reach that level of inbound, that alone is like a certain level. So Absolutely. kudos to you. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's definitely a pivot from where you start to where you're going. And it's like that in every single uh, one of our businesses. It starts being outbound. So you're seeking the opportunity. And then after you have proved yourself enough, it, it 
starts to be inbound. But everybody has to know going into opening up a business that you are going to have to reach out to people. You're going to have to get them on the phone. You're going to have to set up meetings, Zoom calls. It takes aggressive uh, outbound initially. You know what I mean? Exactly. Now, who was your, uh, initially, who was your uh, biggest, like, where did you get the most clientele from? Like, I'm going to guess. Initially, it was the design centers. Um but just, you know, contacting them and aligning with their clients. A lot of times what they do here is they they have the tools, they have tile and they have design, but they don't have the installers. So they contact and connect with local GCs or specialists to do the installation. So they essentially get the contract directly from the consumer and then sub it out to a subcontractor. So that was our first, um, that was the first way that we pretty much approached it. And during that time, we were taking so many pictures and getting feedback from people. And like, would you please leave a testimonial? Can I get a quick quote about your experience with us? And it'll be converted into a testimonial. So it was a lot of, of that initially to build. Um, but yeah, that's how we started off. We connected with desi design centers and people that were in our demographic, but not competing. It was, you know, we're connected to be helping one another, but not competing. Because if you go after someone that's competing in your market, you're going to get harsh resistance. And it might be defeating to you, especially when you're just starting off and you don't have your, your confidence in line. Right. You know right, I mean? right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. So there you go. But the key word there was you were basically finding new people and building relationships with them. Absolutely. Yeah, that's right? what it takes. And, and that's my point. See, once you establish yourself and you have relationships, then your brand builds on that. Exactly. Right. So exactly. and that's the key thing. So many times I hear people, they want to start a business and their ideal uh, clientele is strangers. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's yeah. like, OK, that's great. But you're not getting strangers because you open the door. Right. You have to get out there right. and build relationships, but right. that common right. thing, and you just killed that myth too, because the common thing is that I'm just going to open up my doors. People are going to show up and strangers are going to buy and I don't need relationships. And well, you just proved you went out there and built relationships. Sure. That's Maybe right. you didn't know everybody, but you went out of your way to make sure you'd met new people. So you got to constantly yeah. be out there networking and meeting new people and people who are like you are in that same kind of, industry in a sense where that not necessarily the same industry or same business, but like right. th that same ideas of they're looking for what you're offering and then right. they're thinking like you, right. And right. that, and, and then, you know, they're in that market and not everyone you talk to is going to be in that market and that's okay. Yes. Right. So, but the, but the more people you talk to, the higher you, you raise your probability of aligning with someone. Now, now what I do is I really, uh, I really focused on like the art of segue and I practice it every time I leave the house. I will start a conversation with a complete stranger. I'll be at a line at Starbucks, okay? And, you know, I'll talk to them. Hi, what's your name? Are you visiting? Because, you know, tourist town. And a lot of them say yes. And since me and my husband, you know, we traveled when he was in the bricklayers union, we've been in a lot of states. So, Finding that common ground, like, oh, I live in Boston. Oh, I love the seafood place near Boston Square. 
You know what I mean? Harvard Square. So you're connecting with them. You're, you're having authentic engaging conversation. And then you segue into whatever your business is. Like, oh, well, I'm staying over at the lift in Breckenridge. Oh, we did some work there. What kind of work do you do? We're general contractors. So it's like mastering the art of conversation and that skill to take it in the direction that you want to in order to build clientele and open up opportunities to be able to serve people because there's always someone whose mom is looking for a new kitchen or needs a backsplash or who hates their bathroom. It's always a part of the conversation. And we're just we're just there because we're opening up these lines of communication for it to reveal how we could serve someone. Yeah, it makes sense. Love that. So, I mean, I want to be conscious of the time as well. So sure. I'm going to get down to uh, a couple more questions. Yeah. Before I get into what I call the lightning round, which is going to be a few fun questions. All right, let's do it. So <laughs> second last question is going to be with your busy schedule as an entrepreneur and multiple businesses, I'm sure you have a uh, certain regiment that you follow each day A certain, I'm not going to say it's going to be repetitive, but I mean, it's sort of like, I don't think you wake up in the day and go, Hmm, what should I do today? <laughs> right. So right. what was your typical schedule look like? Oh, my schedule. I get up at five every day. I evaluate what my marketing strategy is going to be for that day. I do that as long as my daughters will allow me. Whenever they wake up, that's when I have to pivot into mom mode, get my daughter set up for the day, get their lesson plan done, make sure they're showered and bathed in, in their clothes, dedicate that time to them, get them started with their lessons. Then I pivot back to my husband. We talk about our plan for the day, what team is going to do what, what jobs we have lined up, what appointments we have for the day. And that basically continues throughout the rest of the day, those conversations with my husband. And then after me and my husband are on the same page, we then go and we give our directives to the people we have in place, our, you know, our operations manager, our team members, our controllers over emails, giving out all just dispersing the plan for the day and setting the tone and then just seeing how the day goes. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, last question before the lightning round. Yeah. How do you know you've had a successful day? Oh, I know I've had a successful day if the things on my to-do list are completed and I feel good about it. Because I don't like to put too much on my plate to where I'm constantly feeling like a failure. I have a small to-do list. And if I tackle those, I feel amazing. If there's no like little feeling of um, just being incomplete or not attending to something, then I allow myself to rest. And, and I, I really focus on allowing myself to rest regardless if I didn't feel like I tackled the day in the way that I want to. I have to preserve my personal self-care and my mental health to be able to show up like this every day. But yeah, small to-do list, get those done. I feel good. <laughs> love that. You know what? I love it because you got two nuggets out of that. Um, the one nugget that I caught on first was how you love to have the uh, small lists because in a way it's like you're celebrating each win because right. too many people out there try to do too many things and their lists are gigantic and they got a million things on them and then they never end up getting what they want done and they feel yeah. defeated. Yeah, they, I was just about to say they feel defeated and it's almost like a form of self-sabotage if you're constantly 
you know, expecting yourself to overproduce and, and then you build up feeling beat up by the list. You did it to yourself ultimately. Exactly. So I love that. That, that was well said right there. So now getting into the lightning round, which is just going to be fun, fun questions and just Yay! a little bit of personal stuff. Like, uh, my favorite and my first, what's your favorite yeah. food? Let's get into it. My favorite kind of food. Yeah. Yeah. What's your favorite food and why? Oh my God. Anything pasta. I am anything, just carbs, like <laughs> pasta and bread. Me and my husband, we did this, this fast and we only ate bread for seven days. And I was like, this is actually quite glorious. You we were getting creative and getting different kind of dips for it. Bread and pasta, anything carbs. <laughs> love that. Love that. Yes. Um, favorite vacation spot. Oh, my favorite vacation spot, I would say, is Key West. Love the vibe, the beauty, the water, the food, the key lime, everything. Love it. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That was the first one for that. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, favorite book. Oh, favorite book. I think it's the book that I'm reading now. It is The Science of Getting Rich. Interesting. And I say that it's my favorite because it's in the front of my mind and it's kind of challenging me to where I listen to audio since I'm so I'm busy, but I'm, I constantly have to rewind it to kind of understand it and process it. It's not an easy process for me, so it's challenging me and that's what I like about it. Love that. Favorite podcast, assuming you listen to podcasts, being that you're on one. <laughs> yes. Well, my favorite podcast is yours. <laughs> well, of course. <laughs> Was there any doubt? <laughs> Love you, John. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yes. And my second favorite is the forces of friendship. I love these four wonderful black women and they talk about everything inspiring and empowering and just the authenticity of their friendship that's lasted for decades is really beautiful to see. I enjoy it. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm, that's, that's a new one too, but love your reasoning. Yeah. Um, second last question is if you had unlimited amount of money and you had 48 hours to spend it, you get to keep whatever you spend and you lose what you haven't. What would you do? Oh my goodness. The first thing is I, I think I would just, I would go to underserved neighborhoods and I would just pass out money. I'd make an announcement. Hey, I've got X amount of millions. Come down and get what you need. I'd give it all away. Wouldn't that be so profound? To be able to change that many people's lives in that short amount of time, I would. that's what I would do. That's fantastic. And you know what? Yeah. That goes to show exactly where you're at, right? <laughs> like that's, ex that, that's, that's beautiful. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. So, And the final question, but it's not the least. It's just the final. <laughs> Last but not least is yeah. where do people find you online? Oh, yeah. So I am at the real Alexandria Nicole on Instagram. I'm Alexandria Nicole on Facebook as well as on LinkedIn. So, yeah. 
Fantastic. I want to say yeah. thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, John. I appreciate it. This is great. Thank you for having me. Absolute pleasure. I loved it. Thank you. I'm glad. If you like what you see and you want to see more, subscribe to the link below.